up your podcast radio. This is the Dr. Rushmore Show. Here I am with my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. And we're coming to you live from inside Teddy Roosevelt's mustache here at a national monument in Rapid City, South Dakota. Uh, Mount Rushmore Show is the show where we debate the most ubiquitous aspects of any given topic. And this week, that topic is the Mount Rushmore of Musical Side Projects, which was chosen by Miguel. Why? Uh, There's one band that I listen to every once in a while that I heard while driving home from work. And it's like, oh, I would like to talk about this band. And then I thought, oh, I wonder what else is out there that is uh, significant creative work uh, that's a side project, that someone has left whatever they're doing to pursue yeah. to explore a certain side of their music that they can't do within the confines of their band yeah. and then also return to their band. Yeah. Like, it's like, it feels, uh, you know, John Lennon last weekend going out and spending some time with another family for a bunch of years yeah. and then coming back and being yeah. like, hey, I'm back to being John Lennon yeah. or whatever. I... John Lennon is not on my list, but it's one of those weird things where a musician is operates within a band which acts as a family and then is like, I love you guys. I got to write these songs, and they're not fill-in-the-blank songs. These aren't Radiohead songs. These are yeah. Tom York songs. Yeah. Although my caveat for this episode and for like my rules that I put on this episode and this topic was no solo projects. This has to be kind of something that wants to be pursued with someone else. Yeah. It feels like or there's some aspect to it where it's not quite cheating but it's not quite like Yeah. Like this isn't Radiohead but it's not Tom York, it's whatever Tom York wants to do with someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I find that just really fascinating mm-hmm. especially when I guess we'll get into it when we'll talk about it on some of my other choices when it's like bands are on tour and they meet other bands and they're like I like this other band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like I like their music too. I, I don't know if you have Delaney and Bonnie on, on no. yours at all. But then that was uh, Derek and the Dominoes was on tour, and I think Delaney and Bonnie was the opening act. And right, and uh, Eric Eric Clapton, <laughs> he just wanted to play with the opening act. So, uh, but the what what I think is the band is a structure through which we observe a lot of entertainment in the form of music. And if you think of certain collectives of musicians, or does a contemporary artist even think in terms of, uh, I'm going to join this band and me and this band the rest of my life? Um, I don't know. I think a lot of bands start out that way. Uh-huh. I, like, I'm astounded, too, by like a band like U2, who's been around for yeah. almost 40 years. I cannot think of a single thing that the other four members have done that other hasn't than, yeah. been U2, yeah. which is outstanding, which is like, crazy on its own that yeah. that to me is a little yeah you know has bono you know the closest the edge bono had a custard stand i think in <laughs> dublin yeah the closest would you like, would you like some custard <laughs> edge would you like some custard is this rebel custard it's a rebel yeah. <laughs> okay it's lemon it's raspberry <laughs> it's cream it's <laughs> it's real custard <laughs> but i don't know i think i think that Yes, bands act like a family or as like brothers or brothers and sisters. And then sometimes it's broken for a little bit and then they come back together or 
That, yeah, I, I would if you if you ask the guys in a Weezer, are you? Is this a band or is this River Phoenix Rivers River Phoenix, <laughs> Rivers Cuomo's thing that he, he does, and then he calls you guys? You're you're really just kind of day laborers for him when you go out on the road. I don't. Know, I also think it's in, it's not part of this topic. It's interesting when like the guys that used to be in the band and then the band makes it big. Like oh yeah, what's the guy from the Rentals? Oh, who left? Uh, like it was like the drummer from Matt Sharp. Yeah, it was like the drummer yeah. or like the guitarist from Weezer. He was like with Weezer, then left and started. You know the rentals, and they put out one song, "Friends of P," and had one success. Yeah, and it's like, well, Weezer's still around somehow after twenty-five <laughs> years. What's what are, uh, the, what the rentals doing? Him. Okay, cool. So Michael chose it. Richard starts. All right. So my first choice are the Traveling Wilburys. Also, uh, my on my list too. Were they the band you were thinking of specifically? Or? No, no, no. That was just one of those that was like as I started getting into it. Yeah, and thinking and researching, it was like, oh, this is. One of those weird super groups, mega groups. Right. That it was actually pretty fascinating. Do you like white people? Uh, How do you feel about white people? Old white, is, older white people. This is all of them. That's yeah, a trick question, Michael. Don't answer here. that. Yeah. Don't uh, fall for it. So that's number two in the Borglum bag. So I don't know what, I forget what wild, crazy Australian you rules football <laughs> we have here. Think, I think that means we're done with the, the episode. Okay, okay. No, but because it was number one on our collective list, they still only count for one point. Okay. But okay. it gets doubled because it's in your bag. Okay. All right. So what do you like about the Wilburys? I, I love this album. Yeah. The first album. I Nobody remembers the, the second, second mm-hmm. album. I'm, I'm I do. Sure it ex- I know it exists, but it didn't have Ori Orbison, so get out of here. Yeah. I do like that they named the second album, Volume, Volume three, 3, as just kind of an F you to people being like, what? Wait, am, what? <laughs> what I think that's very clever. <laughs> So anyway, so this was essentially a uh, project that was spearheaded by George Harrison, who basically decided that he, after he did Cloud Nine and had this kind of career, career revival, and what he wanted to do was get a uh, kind of super group together, yeah. people he was friends with. Or Being another group of. of guys who were better than him. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. That's the thing. He decided to make sure that he picked people who were more down to his level. Except, okay. except for Dylan, but Dylan was still going through that weird, I think I'm a Jew thing back Tom then. Tom Petty, so. uh, I could write better than Tom Petty, sure. Exactly. Um, so they, they actually started off recording uh, a song as a B-side to one of his singles, and that song was Handle With Care. Mm-hmm. And they realized, no, wait, this song is like way too good to be just a B-side of yeah. a single. So they decided to make a whole album based around around that song. Being beat up and battered around Being sent up and I've been shut down You're the best thing that I've ever found Reputations changeable, situations tolerable. Was Jeff Lynn kind of the glue of the group? I think he was the one who knew everybody. Yeah. I think because like he had produced, he had just got done producing Cloud Nine and he was producing Full Moon Fever for Tom Petty yeah. at the time. And I think he'd done is he the is he the, the Arf- album? Is he the our friend Anderson? Of the group. He knows a guy. Where he knows a guy. Oh, yeah. He, Jeff Lynn knows a guy. <laughs> yeah, I can get you an emu. <laughs> yeah, he knows a guy. Yeah. Mm. Okay, sorry. So from a song standpoint, I, the consistently great song, I feel like that showcases all of the 
all the artists, their individual talents. Yeah. Um, and they're all very, I like that they all, uh, contribute different vocals too. Yeah. Like they all bring something different. Like, you know, Roy Orbison is like, they're so all iconic in how they sound, Yeah, which I think is very interesting. You know, sometimes there's bands that do these super groups and one guy is the lead singer. Mm-hmm. And in spite of him being the lead singer of his other group or whatever, he's still the lead singer. I don't know if um, Jack Black, may, not Jack Black, uh, Jack White. <laughs> I wish that Jack Black was on my list. Uh, I don't know if Jack White was is on any of your choices. Maybe. He may be. But he is a guy that is like, if I see the tours or the dead, letter. Dead, yeah. dead weather or dead all, yeah. you know, it's or them crooked vultures. I mm-hmm. think he's in that. I don't know. Maybe. It feels like, oh, that's just a Jack White production. Oh, right. it kind of dominates. It's very, but this doesn't feel like that. This feels like, oh, it's a, that's a Roy Orbison song. That one is a Tom Petty. That one is. That's kind of all of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting factoid. Um, one of the things they bonded over was their, everyone in the band had a shared love of Monty Python. Oh, my. And oh, apparently wow. Roy Orbison could recite whole skits like verbatim. Is that right? Oh, nerds. Well, it's, a ner- it's a group of nerds. Yeah. Who would have thought? You, you know? know, Eric Ed Harrison is essentially an honorary python. Right. He produced like like Life of Brian. Yeah. And, yeah. He was saying somehow Eric Idle had gotten word from Priscilla Presley or something, or one of Elvis's, maybe even post-Priscilla, a girlfriend of Elvis's, who said that Elvis would just stay up all night and laugh at the knights who say ni. You know, he thought he could quote whole sections of Python. Hey, man, you see that There's a plumber. That's Roger the, the Shrubber. Roger That's the Shrubber. Shrubber. I do appreciate that they that they kind of had like a little bit of a kayfabe-ness of their band. The tra- like the, the band fake, was yeah. like a fake family with the last name Wilbur. Yeah. And it changed, the players' names changed from one album to the next as if there mm-hmm. was the other part of the family yeah. that was going to put out this next album. And I imagine, too, I think like, that's pretty cute. one thing that they didn't need was any kind of more recognition. Here's all these guys who've right. gone yeah. beyond transcendent celebrity. What I guess from a vocal standpoint, I remember hearing at that time, I don't think I could discern, this was college for me, uh, Dylan and Petty, because they had such a similar kind of re- reedy kind of voice. They were the same voice, and then yeah. you had them harmonize, and I'm going to use air quotes here, the, harmonizing... Yeah. Yeah, and it was a uh, interesting mix. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Cool. So fun first pick for Michael and Richard. So now Michael would give us his second choice. Uh, my second choice is the Monsters of Folk, which oh. is uh, Jim James from My Morning Jacket, Connor Oberst from uh, Bright Eyes, and Mike Mogus from Bright Eyes, and Will Johnson from a band called Centromatic. I've never heard of them, and also M Ward from She and Him. Ryan Adams not involved in this. Is no he? good. Hmm. Monsters of Folk were a band Fuck that guy. where at some point all these different bands were on tour in like the early 2000s and they met each other and started jamming oh. and they started writing music, but because they were so involved in their other bands uh-huh. that were took precedence, they didn't really do anything other than write music together and play music until they put out an album in 2009. So five years of just kind of like... I'm interested in whatever this idea is of putting out kind of folksy album songs, but they're kind of rock and roll songs too. They're kind of all over the place. They have all these different influences from very eclectic uh, band members. I mean, My Morning Jacket and Jim James, he's got such a big bombastic voice. Uh And um, 
uh, Connor Oberst is just this prolific wonder kid that, you know, kind of redefined what indie rock was for a little bit. Yeah. You know, he had five or six years of like, oh, how does he have another album out? Uh-huh. And still had time to put out what is a really great single album. Yeah. And uh, I just love the idea of people getting together and sticking with an idea in spite of it just being kind of like, almost like, mm-hmm. is this, we're just having fun playing while we're on tour. I guess we should do something yeah. with this album and put this out. And all of them went back to, like they did one album and went back to being like Jim James from My Morning Jacket mm-hmm. and Connor Oberst went back to just doing more Bright Eyes albums. And like, I love that. Do you feel like they, so from a, from a economy standpoint, would having a side uh, project be something that would enable a person who, when they're in their home band, they are the singer-songwriter, they're the main driver of it, they're the intellectual generator of all the content. But when you are... Teaming pe- up with other teaming heavies. Up, yeah, now now you're you can the step, Avengers. Yeah. step into the background, yeah. and the Hulk comes out and smashes someone. Yeah, yeah. Captain America doesn't you yeah. can go get his... You have so to carry Connor Oberst the Hulk in this situation? <laughs> Connor Oberst, okay. If, if Connor Oberst is the... See the Natasha Romanoff, yeah. Uh, who's the most prolific but weird one? Uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Oh, Hawkeye? He's Hawkeye. He's okay. not he's, Thor? No. Thor's He's pretty weird. Yeah, Thor's a weirdo. Nah. Okay. We got to take this off mic and then okay. really figure this out. But this album in itself is just wonderful. The lead song, Dear God, is just... Um, I love that song. Dear God. Hope you got the message in. <laughs> it's, called, it's called Dear God, Sincerely, MOF. And it's just this... Oh. It's, and all of them kind of contribute to it and sing vocals at some point throughout it. Someone starts it off and then it leads into the next verse and the next yeah. verse and someone else takes over. It's is just great and you know it's cool to it's cool that rock stars can be cool with each other yeah. and put out different music than what yeah. they're used to do you think that the, on the road the rest of their band is like oh good they're they're uh, out there kind of writing new songs with another band that's fabulous great i don't know it's like that cheating aspect yeah. or it's like uh this really isn't what i'm into i'm glad I can go get his rocks off over, yeah yeah over with the guy with yeah. the beard <laughs> that's right yeah uh okay uh richard what do you got my second, second choice are the new pornography. This is an example of a band whose side project quickly became much bigger than any uh-huh. of their like main projects. Yeah. 
Um, started in 1997 in Vancouver by Carl A.C. Newman, um, and plus a lot of other people who were involved in the Vancouver Canadian indie folk, indie folk and rock scene. And yeah, they, they are now much bigger than any of their, I mean, much bigger than any of their their original works. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Neko Case is at a pretty Nico successful. Neko Case is pretty close. Yeah, which is why she sometimes kind of pops in and out of the band. And there's some albums where she's not super available, or she's not able to tour with yeah. them. Which is why it still feels like this sort of side project thing, right? Because they don't all. I know Dan Behar was not from Destroyer was not involved with the last album because he was in the middle of making a Destroyer album. And they just couldn't match it up to be able to make it work for him to be part of the last New Pornographers album. This so is, it this still is, has that feeling of like a of a, a side project, kind of like, hey, here's a thing that we're doing while we're not doing our main music. Yeah. Even though way more people know New know New Pornographers than any of Carl Newman's solo stuff. That's interesting. Um, a band I almost put on here was one of my favorites of Death Cab for Cutie. Right. And that one started out as like a side project of Ben Gibbard's from. Uh, uh, he had a, a, he had a, like a group called like part time quarterback mm-hmm. or, or full time quarterback, and then he did this. You know, he met up with some of the other guys. He met up with Chris Walla, and um, of course, I can't remember the name of the bassist because who cares? Because who cares? But it's one of those things that, that started as a, like a little side project, and that side project took over and became his main project, which is interesting. Like, right? I love that idea too. Of like this thing became almost bigger than. Yeah, it's a rare example. It's yeah. not. It's not. You know, obviously, you mentioned Death Cab for Cutie. There's a few other examples of side projects that have become as big or bigger than the original project itself, and that's kind of where I thought new pornographers kind yeah. of came in and, and needed a place at the uh, at the table. Cool. All right. So, gents, uh, this is a good time, as good a time as any, to take a break and welcome the listeners to go out and find more of us. Find more us. We don't have side projects. This is all we do. We're dedicated to each other. We're never going to break up. We're always going to be... Hey, guys. Well, you were on a podcast Wait, we recently. Why were you late? We need to talk. Why were you late before the taping, Richard? We, we, we need to talk. You smell like a different podcast. <laughs> smell like a different podcast. <laughs> you, were you on the Grand Canyon podcast? Oh, my God. Oh, Are you on another National Monument oh Park pro- I need air. I need air. I need water. Listen, I need guys, air. I was, I was just dabbling. Okay. Oh, my God. How many downloads do you need? You men need to. Oh, more God. Than. More than whatever we are <laughs> We got, yeah. Literally. Is it bigger than five? <laughs> go. Fine. Go. No. Uh, you, listeners, stay and go out and listen to our past uh, episodes. They can be found on iTunes, obviously. Then Stitcher. And then also uh, iHeartRadio. And I think we're now on ZibZab. Guys, note to self, start ZibZab. <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, you could also join us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and suggest new topics that we could deliberate. And you could also recommend uh, examples of things that we should have said in previous topics. You could also support other podcasts like this other one that Richard's uh, going to start up or starting up or this one. This is Alexa from the You Can Rewind It podcast. Remember those movies you loved as a kid? What would happen if you rewatched those favorites from your childhood? 
Would you still like them? My husband Brock and I are on a mission to watch these 80s classics to see if they still hold up today and if we'd give them a rewind. Check out our podcast. You can rewind it on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And remember, just because you can rewind it doesn't mean you should. You can rewind it. You can rewind it. Richard, was that your podcast? Uh, no. Oh, you're lying. I can tell yes. you're lying. <laughs> so this has been the Mount Rushmore of side projects that are not solo projects. And uh, I think it is Michael. So uh, my next band is one that... This is the one that I was thinking of when I thought of this topic. It's a band called The Glove. Oh. And it was a uh, Robert Smith, Stephen Severin... Uh, from Susie and the Banshees oh, wow. uh, side project that they did that started out of... So uh, Robert Smith from The Cure um, was kind of burnt out after they put out an album called Pornography. And he went on tour with Susie and the Banshees playing as their lead guitarist when like someone else left the band. So he went touring and was just wow. a full-fledged member of the band. Wow. Um, at the same time... The Cure was opening for Susie, so he'd play the opener. Oh, geez. And then he'd go and play with Susie as well. Wow. So he'd be playing double sets every night. Um, That's how he's kept his youthful. (laughs) (laughs) But he was was like doing, you know, it was 1982 or 83. They were just doing a ton of drugs. Yeah. And he struck up like this kind of uh, friendship and like kind of working relationship with Stephen Severin. And they went off and put out an album called um, Blue Sunshine. And it is this, it feels, it's very uh, kind of trippy. It's a little, um, it feels very hallucinogenic at times. Uh, It's very strange. It feels like very much like element. It feels like if The Cure and Susie put out an album together. caveats about this album is that he doesn't do like any singing on it. He sings on like one or two songs, but they hired, um, or there's a female singer named Jeanette Landry who has done basically nothing else who came in and sung all of these songs. So it's very weird to hear like cure songs with a female voice yeah, and it's very kind of psychedelic and weird and of the era of the era. And I just love this album. It's this little like, blip on the radar in things that like Robert, like, you know, I'm an unabashed cure fan of like a little blip on the radar of things that Robert Smith did. Mm-hmm. And there are times that like, there are just these weird jangly guitars that feel very much like they lead into like a later album. And yeah. like you can hear little bits and pieces that sound so familiar, but it's so different. Wow. Um, but I just love this album and, you know, both guys went back to their, after this came out, went out. Robert went back to the Cure, and mm-hmm. Severin went back to Susie and the Banshees. And I do wonder what the element of recording albums to fulfill a contract with a label has to do with it. Too. That well, part of it too was he couldn't 
sing all the vocals on it because he was under contract. Ah, okay. So that's why they brought in this other woman to sing. I assume that Stephen Severin is, doesn't have a singing voice, or maybe he would have sung it. I don't, I, who knows? Mm-hmm. But that was one of the interesting things was he was basically writing this music that he had probably intended to sing, then realized, oh, I'm not allowed to, I can play on this and I can sing bits yeah. and pieces, but I can't do, I can't yeah. sing all of it. It also sounds like Joe Walsh with the Eagles, or with Eagles, like his, he had been a full-fledged rock star and then was recruited into this, what well, was kind of a super group, wasn't, weren't the Eagles a super group? Uh, they were kind of like of the West Coast, sort of like people that were floating around, sort of. Yeah. Like Fleetwood Mac was, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but then if you are, let's say you are an artist with a group, let's say you're with a group and you're a prolific songwriter. Like I think of James Mercer. Sure. I don't know if uh, he's going to pop up, but like if he maybe he doesn't want to do, maybe he's only legally obliged to do a December's album every shins. two. What's that? James Mercer's from the shins. So the shins. Sorry. Yeah, the sorry. shins. Yeah. So, uh, the sh- a shins album every couple of years. So, so I was getting calling. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so he's going to do broken bells right. or he's going to do something on the side because if he makes any music in that milieu, he's just going to, overflow <laughs> he's writing something for the man and he doesn't have to do that and i may be wrong about the shins too but i i think that's one of those bands where it's him plus people yeah he, he kicks the others other, to the other curb. people yeah. come out come in and out yeah basically when he w- wants to put out an album under the shins yeah it is him plus people not necessarily it's just like i've de- i've designated these songs as shin songs yeah and then when he's uh with what's his name from uh, i can't remember the other guy broken bells yeah. It's like, oh, this is what this is. Yeah. Yeah. And unless you play piccolo trumpet, I don't need you. <laughs> the, sh- the shins needs a piccolo trumpet. Yeah. Okay, Richard. All right. My third choice are the power stations. Oh, cool. Robert Palmer, not the uh, music critic, but the actual musician. Uh, former Chic drummer Tommy Tony Thompson, and then Andy and uh, John Taylor from Duran Duran. Um, they actually started kind of as a whim. Babe Buell wanted to record a version of "Get It On." Oh, is that right? <laughs> and so this was kind of the group that got together to sort of make it. And after that, kind of didn't work out so well. Um, they decided, well, it'd be fun if we kind of kept this going. And sort of got Roger, Robert Palmer in there to record one song. And he's like, oh, do you have any other stuff that's laying around? Maybe I could do some other vocals. And then the album just kind of came together. Oh, there. cool. And it was when Duran Duran was on a break from being Duran Duran. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the band went off, like the Simon LeBon group went off to go to become Arcadia. Hmm. And then, then that was kind of... a sort of very similar, I think, to Duran Duran, that kind of smooth sort of 80s sort of synth feel mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. And then this part of the band, the two uh, Taylors, went off and did uh, Power Station, which was yeah. this real hard rock kind of oriented. Yeah. And uh, they only did, well, they did three albums total. They only did one album with Robert Palmer. 
because after the first uh, Power Station album came out, it was a big hit. He basically decided, wait, you know what I should do? A solo album. <laughs> <laughs> which wound up becoming uh, Riptide, I think, uh-huh. which was the one that had... Simple, or, uh, yeah, Addicted to Love. And wound up becoming this like massive, huge hit. And a lot of people sort of said that he ripped off that oh. sound from the Power Station album. Mm-hmm. for his solo stuff after that because it definitely doesn't sound like some of the solo stuff he had been yeah. doing before. Uh, of course, he sort of denied that and sort of said he's the one who brought the sound to the band. Who knows? Um, but it's just, it is very much an album that is a a snapshot of like whatever year is that first album was made, 1985. It's funny because I feel like it should sound like chic. Yeah. Like with, I know John Taylor was... Um, a very much a Nile Rogers protege on uh, our, 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 sorry, Bernard Edwards. And Bernard bass, Edwards bass. produced it. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's funny with that, with the drummer too. But, but sorry, you said that uh, um, Robert, Robert Palmer claims to have sparked the idea for their sound. Right, exactly. And that's sort of up in the air. But the point is, that is, was very much a, I think when you look for an 80s kind of big drum rock sound, that's certainly one of those albums that sort of solidified what that sound would be like. Yeah. You know, between that and some of those Steve Lillywhite produced albums, mm-hmm. like the Phil Collins, some of the Police albums that the, the gated big drum sound. Yeah. This also has that same kind of feel to yeah. it. Plus swords clashing. Plus clinking. swords clashing and lots of neon. Yeah. A lot of neon. Cool. That was a cool pull. Uh, Michael, your last... Choice. My last choice. Uh, the Gorillas. Oh, okay. That is on. That was in f- the first place on the board in the Borglum bag. So it. Damon does- albums, uh, kind of, not post Blur, but like in between Blur breakups, sort of album yeah. that he um, put out with uh, uh, Jamie Hewlett and Richard. You were just down in Australia, so I'm sure you, you ran into Jamie. Oh, sure I saw him, yeah. He was, He's him good. J- James and I. Oh, okay. I call him James. Yeah, of course. A little more formal relationship. Uh, Jamie uh, Hewlett is uh, most famous for... Uh, Being one half of Hewlett Packard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other half formed the um, Green Bay Packards. Yeah. The football team. Huey Hewlett and the News. Yes, sports, it's all sports, related. Sports album was yeah. played in Green Bay. Very good. Um, Jamie Hewlett famous for... Uh, cartoonist or uh, comic book artist behind Tank Girl. Oh, and wow. so Gorillas became this kind of uh, conceptual project of, you know, they, it's an imaginary band, basically. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Damon Alban playing everything, bringing in some other people to, um, you know, do kind of side vocals and add different. Yeah. But they're like four cartoon characters as a band. And yeah. they put out like three or four really good Good albums that oh, sound yeah. so different from Blur. But not for long, the future is coming on. I ain't happy. I'm feeling glad I got sunshine in a bag. I'm useless. But not for long, the future is coming on. It's coming on. It's coming on. It's coming on. It's coming on. Finally, someone let me out of my cage Now, time for me is nothing cause I'm counting no A's Nah, I couldn't be there Nah, you shouldn't be scared And I guess what was interesting is He waited to put this album out Until after the other members of the band Also were kind of moving on to other projects 
So I don't know if he was just like being really respectful of his other bandmates or kind of waiting until everyone decided, okay, we all want to pursue something else right now. And then it was like, okay, well, I got this cartoon wow. band yeah. idea that's kind of like hip hop and, yeah. uh, you know, which is crazy. It's like the Archie's rock. <laughs> yeah. Is it Dan, the automator? I think he's like one of the other, because it's yeah, some of the producers and things like that. But, um, it, they're just they just it's a fun little oh, yeah. virtual band and you know if you see them live they perform behind mm-hmm. a big screen of animation you know yeah. they kind of keep up the guise of being this cartoon band and all the characters are very iconic and very street art and very yeah. you know they feel of uh, Jamie Hewlett mm-hmm. so it's like it's just pretty very cool yeah and it's definitely. You know, Blur came and went and came back together, and they put out albums since then. And it's, I don't know, just these little things. When you have an idea, it's like, this isn't something, he, he has this music in him, and it's not something he can do with Blur. This is not yeah. Britpop. This is this yeah. is not, it's not Blur music. It's mm-hmm. something very different, but. And another band where the uh, spinoff became more successful than the original band, at least in the U.S. Yeah, definitely, because, you know, Blur here... You know, yeah. What was the Yahoo song? Song one. Song two. Song two. Thank you. Song one. Not as popular. No, obviously. no. That was that was the uh, the the demo. But it's so funny that like song two became their biggest song, which is fun, but it's not like when they and they specifically wrote it trying to write a really dumb like American rocket. Oh, and they won. They succeeded. Very well achieved. Well blur. played, sirs. Yeah. Cool choice. Richard, your last one, please. All right. So, Michael, you mentioned uh, Jack White earlier, and I could have chosen from any number of his side projects. Yeah. Um, I went with the Rockin' Tours. Okay. Yeah, the good one. Yeah, the one that people like. excited about them because I'm a huge Brendan Benson fan. So Brendan Benson being the other singer-songwriter. Other, you might know him from such things as being the other guy in the Rockin' Tours. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but also has a great solo career. If you guys have not checked out Brendan Benson and some of his, sol- <clears throat> some of his solo stuff, I would highly encourage it. Great stuff. Um, and, so I, and I knew that he's from Detroit. And that's sort of why like, him and Jack White kind of got to know each other and formed sort of a mutual Admiration Society. I know Jack White with the White Stripes would do covers of Brendan Benson songs on live shows and radio gigs and stuff like that. And so this is an example of what happens when a side project kind of sweeps in these people who are, let's say, at a lower level of fame or popularity. I'm just, I'm happy for Brendan Benson. Yeah. Like he, that guy has been a working musician, dropped by labels, picked up by labels, gone through like every iteration of being the next big thing to being, like I said, dropped from his label Mm -hmm. and having to do indie labels and all this stuff. And he's got to have made so much money off of the tours, primarily because people bought the album because of Jack White. And I know that kind of sucks and it sounds kind of harsh, 
But I'm sure he made a ton of money off of it. So God bless him. Yeah. Do you think that there is a big difference between raconteurs and dead weather and white stripes songs? I, I can honestly say that I I don't pay that much attention. Mostly because I maybe it's just built into me that I think, oh, this just feels like another Jack White thing. His vocal is very dominant. I when I when I hear Jack White sing, I don't feel like it's doing. He's doing himself. I don't. He's yeah. yeah. I think that and this this totally comes out of ignorance. Like I can think of the one rack on tour song, Dead, "Steady as She Goes," right? I, and that's about it. And I could feel like well, I could kind of see that as a. Mm-hmm. Again, I kind of since I'm coming out as a Brendan Benson band, I'm thinking of some of his songs. Yeah. Which is definitely much more, way more melodic than anything that the the White Stripes would do. I um, mean, I think overall the rock and tours, at least, that stuff tends to be a little bit more kind of melodic and and pop oriented. Okay. Then I don't want to say blues. it's pop, but it's yeah. at least got that sort of like power pop kind of. Yeah, thing yeah. I guess it. I guess the White Stripes tend to be a, a little edgier or harder and maybe more staccato mm-hmm. and how crunchier. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good word. Okay, cool choices. We had some choices that were in the bag, and therefore in the bag from a scoring standpoint. Driving the Wilburys, you each got two points for that. Um, I am, I learned a little bit about the Monsters of Folk, so you get a point for that, Michael. And I didn't know about the history of the Power Station and um, that stuff. But the Gorillas was also in the bag, so that gets a point. Two points. This has been the Mount Rushmore of side... Pro- oh, guys, sorry. I just got a text. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, guys, me, I got to go. I got. Let another... me ditch these losers. I'll be at the studio yeah, in and five. Yeah, I got to go. I got another Oh, thing. you got to go? I got oh. a thing that I got to go do. Oh, you, oh what, what is what is that thing? What is it going? Was that a contract in your hand? It's a thing. Oh, my God. It's just a thing. <laughs> uh, I am, as always, I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. 